Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning in North Texas, April 6th, and we are studying Romans again. We are back to Romans. Last week was Holy Week, and we studied the Passion Narrative, so we had those five Bible studies posted. Hope you enjoyed those and were able to join us for them. And now we are looking at Romans 12. Uh, We studied Romans 11, I guess, about 10 days ago, so that's been posted, or 11, 12 days ago. And uh, now we're back to Romans and studying Romans 12. I thank you for joining me and making this part of your day. Romans 12 is a short chapter, and so uh, probably won't take as long as the other ones. So this is probably going to be one of our shorter studies. Uh, But it's an interesting chapter. It has some interesting things in it. So we'll start right at the beginning with verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So uh, Paul basically is appealing to our wills, to our wills, uh, to make a choice, to make a choice to live for God. And so when we think about like, what is our will? What is that thing inside of us that that points us in directions and and kind of motivates us and says, this is who I want to be and this is who I'm going to be. And so the decisions I make are going to be based on this. Where does that come from? And and how do we change that? And how do we control that? Um, And so Paul is basically saying, you know, make your will decide, decide now uh, to live for God, to give, to live for God. Not because you need to earn anything, but in light of what God has done for you right? Because God has already saved you. God loved you first. And so now uh, live for God. Now, so then that that asks the question, what is in control of us? What is in control of you? What, who is the master of your body? Why do you do the things you do? Who controls you? Who's in charge of your life? I mean, is it your will? Is it something else? Uh, What, what makes you makes the decision you, decisions you make? You know, what makes you do the things you do? Paul says, present yourself as a living sacrifice to God and choose, choose to live for God. Let God be in charge of your life. Let God decide for you. Let God guide you. Let God be the compass for your life. And by d- to do that, you become a living sacrifice, which is kind of a, an interesting an interesting way to say it, because a sacrifice is obviously something that isn't living, right? Uh, first century people knew what a sacrifice meant. It means you bring something alive and you put it to death for the sake of God. And so basically what Paul is saying is bring your life to God and put to death your own desires. Put to death your own will. For the sake of letting God live in you so that you can live for God, live out God's desire. So that's uh, verse one, an interesting way to say it. Okay, Uh, verses four through eight, verses four through eight. For as in one body, we have many members and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members of one together. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. So the church is a unified body, right? We are united. We are distinct within that body. Uh, 
So the, the body of Christ, there is not a call for uniformity and that we all have to be the same. We all have to dress the same. We all have to talk the same. We all have to believe the same things. We all have to do the same things, right? No, there's individuality in it, but we are still united in our individuality. And I think this is something that we're struggling with right now as American Christians, understanding that there is individuality in our communities. It's okay that we are individuals. It's okay that we have different beliefs. It's okay that we have different thoughts. It's okay, but we still bring our gifts together as a united whole, one body, and we do the work of the kingdom for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, and, And so Christ is our common ground. As long as we agree on who Christ is and what it means to be a follower of Christ, that's our common ground, and we can we can differ on other things. We can celebrate our differences. We can celebrate the things that 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 the world says you know should keep us apart. And then we look at these spiritual gifts, the the ability to prophesy and minister and teach and be generous uh, and be you know supportive. I mean these are these are all important gifts that that I, you know, you can see different people have these things. And uh, it's so cool to watch the different people who have these gifts use those gifts for the kingdom on, you know, come to realize what their gifts are and, and then, and then use them for the sake of the body. Right. It's really cool to watch. Uh, now just a quick, a quick note about prophecy, right? I, I think we all have a misunderstanding of what prophecy is because we look at the old Testament and we hear the old Testament prophets say, this is what's going to happen in the future. And then it happens. And then, they say, Oh, that was a prophet of God. Uh, and so we're like, well, where are the people prophesying now? Well, well, prophecy isn't really just telling what's going to happen in the future. They're not future tellers, right? They're, they're speaking on behalf of God. Prophets speak on behalf of God. They speak the words of God. Uh, and so, you know, that does it, that may include like something happening in the future, like the Messiah is coming, but most often it doesn't. And, and spe- specifically today, most often it's just speaking God's will, speaking God's heart, speaking God's mind, telling people what God would have our world look like and telling people, uh, you know, what, what God would say about certain things. Uh, you know, this is where politics comes into the church very often, where people, people are speaking on behalf of God, uh, basically saying, God would support my political party. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, if we look at both political parties, we see things that I, I say we we would see, say things that God would support that. And there's things that God would not support that. And so if we're speaking truly on behalf of God, we are speaking on behalf of God without putting man's agenda uh, in God's mouth. And so, uh, you know, I think it's I think the church has a responsibility to say uh, what God would say, to, to, to speak on behalf of God. And we do that through the scriptures, right? Through, through what the, the, the Bible tells us about who God is and what God is like. So, okay, we continue on verses 9 through 10. So verses 9 through like 17, they're just like one-liners. Uh, Paul just comes out like with a bunch of one-liners that is just like really good advice for Christians. Um, so great things to, to know here. Verses 9 through 10. Let love be genuine Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection and outdo one another in showing honor. So basically Paul giving advice, uh, Christian advice for how to be in relationship with one another. Let love be genuine. Let love be sincere, right? Because insincere love isn't love really at all. And so you can see, you know, sincere love and insincere love. All You could 
I mean, it's all around us, right? Um, and then it's, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Uh, it's so it's 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 easy to hold fast to what is evil, right? And and to hate what is good. We see that happening in the world. Uh, we see people, you know, uh, holding fast to to mistruths as opposed to the truth. Um, you know, and so we have to always continually be asking and discerning what is evil, what is good, what is evil, what is good, and it goes back to well, what would God say? Where are the prophets around us who tell us what is good and what is evil? Um, and so back to love, then verse ten: love one another with mutual affection. Uh, you know, how do we how do we love one another? How how do we become a, a community of people who truly love one another and let that love be genuine? What what is the difference between genuine love and insincere love, right? Uh, how how do we define that? How do, you know? And I think the one thing the, the one thing that defines it is insincere love is I am going to love you so that you can do something for me. Where genuine love is I am going to love you so that I can do something for you, and that's the big difference. Uh, and being devoted to one another in love, loving one another with mutual affection is saying, you know, a, a relationship works if I am going to love you and do something for you, and you're going to love me and do something for me, then my needs are met by you and your needs are met by me. That is sincere love. And that is a really good uh example or, or way to show a loving relationship that works. I mean, that that's how spouses are to be with one another. And that's how, our, you know, as communities, we're supposed to be there for one another. So when you have needs, I'm going to be there to meet your needs without expecting anything in return. But when I have a need, you know, be, because we are devoted to one another, you will be there uh, to help me. Okay. Verse 12. Uh, three, well, three little phrases here in verse 12 that are just powerful. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, persevere in prayer. So rejoice in hope. Uh, Paul says we should serve God, right? Because that you know, make your will a living sacrifice, serve God uh, and rejoice in hope. Don't rejoice in the moment. Don't rejoice in the results. Don't result, you know, don't rejoice when the good thing happens, rejoice in the hope that good things are going to happen, right? Don't just wait for the good thing to happen to rejoice. Rejoice in our hope. So, you know, we have hope in uh, eternal life. We have hope in a better world. We have hope that God is going to make all things new, that God is going to uh, take all these broken relationships and repair them. And we can rejoice today knowing that God is going to do all those things because he is risen because he is a God that overcomes death because he, you know, because God is made these promises to us. So we can rejoice today knowing that those things will happen in the future. Be patient in suffering, right? Be patient in suffering. There is nowhere in the Bible that says God's people, because you are one of God's own, you will not suffer, right? Suffering is a reality. Some, suffering is something that we all have to go through. It's part of life on this world, in this world. And, 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 and we are called as God's people to be patient through it. But um, I, I think the patience here is more of a just sit, you know, just sit back and let it pass, right? It's, it, it's just this active, steadfast endurance, you know, say, no, I am not going to let this, I'm not going to let this take me down. 
I'm not going to let this take me away from God. I'm not going to let this uh, make me someone who doesn't love. I'm not going to let this uh, take my hope from me. I'm still going to rejoice in my hope through this suffering. And how do we do that? Well, we persevere in prayer, right? It's so, so prayer helps us with all these things. We continue to ask God to help us rejoice in hope, to help us endure our suffering, to help us love one another, to help us make our, to be a living sacrifice. We ask God through prayer to help us continue to do all these things. Okay, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Uh, You know, this, bless those who persecute you. Okay, so you're going to suffer and there are going to be people who cause you to suffer. And when those people come to cause you to suffer, bless them. Bless them and do not curse them. Do not have an a hateful attitude towards them. Do not. Do not let, because that is allowing evil to come into your life, right? Do cling to what is good, not what is evil. And so allow those people to do what they do and continue to bless them. Show that love, extend it to your enemies, and do not let them, you know, be patient in your suffering. Do not let them that suffering pull you on pull you into their uh, to their way of life, right? Uh, so important thing. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Such an important verse, such an important verse. When when it says that we are to love one another, uh, you know, how do we do that? One of the ways we do that, we, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. Um, you know, it's a, we are to be considerate of the feelings of others. It's part of loving one another. When someone, when something good happens to someone we love, we rejoice with them. Even if something good hasn't happened for us, we rejoice with them as if that good thing that happened to them happened for us, right? And when something bad happens for someone, we weep with them. We weep with them. You know, there's, uh, I heard someone say this recently, the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Sympathy is, Oh, I see you're feeling really sad. And seeing you sad makes me feel something. It makes me feel kind of sad for you, right? Seeing you feel a certain way makes me feel a certain way. Empathy is I am going to enter into your suffering with you, right? I am going to try and see this from the way that you see this and feel this from the way that you feel this so that you don't carry that burden by yourself. And so, you know, weep with those who weep. But, but truly grieve with those who grieve uh, and rejoice with those who rejoice. Be considerate of what other people are going through. Uh, that's one way that we truly love one another. All right, verse 16. There's a bunch of one-liners that are just really great. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Uh, live in contrast to the world, right? Do not seek out, do not seek out conflict. There is enough conflict in the world without being someone who seeks it out, right? Do not be haughty. Do not think of yourself as important. Do not only surround yourself with people who the world sees as important, but associate with lowly people, with people who the world says, wow, you're not important at all make friends with them and do not claim to be wiser than you are. Don't, don't claim to be smarter, uh, smarter than you are. Um, I, you know, when we, 
I, I don't know if we truly can eliminate contention in our lives. It's all around us. I had a um, a friend who's a I have a friend who's a pastor uh, here in in our area, and um, he uh, he he was he had a heart attack several years ago, and for a few minutes he was gone, but he came back, and he said that he remembers you know this on the he remembers like entering into this peaceful place uh, and, and and then coming back, but but he said it was such a feeling of, of complete peace that he just can't explain it. And when he came back, he had so much trouble watching TV because there's so much conflict and meanness in every TV program and everything into everything on TV. There's, there's conflict, right? It's part of storytelling is conflict. He said, but, but, but he couldn't watch it because he just had no, before that, the, his perception or uh, of, of, of the world, uh, he didn't realize how much conflict there is actually in it and how much, how, how little peace there is actually in the world. And, and it changed his perspective. And, and so uh, for like six months, he said the only thing that he could watch was SpongeBob. And because everything else just, just brought him down because there was so much, so much conflict and so much contention that you just didn't understand the need for it all. And, and I think it's such a, uh, it's Pester Franz Schimmel. Uh, I think that's such an important and powerful story that, you know, there is way too much contention and, and conflict in our world. And we just need to back it, back it off, just back off. I mean, there, we as Christians do not need to be in conflict or creating conflict with one another. I mean, it's just it, it, creating conflict with one another is putting our own agenda uh, first. And so, you know, to, to, to look for ways to be at peace with people, I think, is so important. Okay, well, end of the chapter, verses 17 through 21. I guess it's a little longer than I thought it was going to be, but it's good stuff. Do not repay evil for evil, for, but, take th- but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, do not take revenge. Going back basically to the point before. This the desire for conflict, right? If someone does something to you, you know, you take revenge and you, you do something to them that's even worse, right? This is the start of conflict. But God says, do not do that. Leave it to me. Just leave it to me. Just trust me to, I'll take care of it, right? God says, I'll take care of it. Um, and, and when someone, if, if someone who has been rude to you and mean to you, tried to hurt you, if they're hungry, you know what you do? You feed them. And if they're thirsty, you give them something to drink. And by doing that, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean that you heap burning coals on their head? I, I really don't know. But it could be that, you know, maybe you've been, they've been mean to you and you do something nice to them. And, you know, all of a sudden, like it kind of helps them to see, wow, I, I was kind of mean. I was kind of a jerk. And this person should be mean to me back, but now they're being nice. And then it makes them feel like, I don't know, like like they're convicted, like, oh man, I don't deserve this, right? Uh, I don't know, but uh, I don't know if that's ever happened to you or um, if you've ever experienced that, but uh, there you go. That's Romans 12, uh, a good chapter, lots of lots of good advice, lots of uh, uh, things for Christians to consider and to work towards. And so uh, 
Hope you uh, enjoyed that study, and we'll be back on Thursday with Romans 13, and we'll close with a word of prayer. Lord God, we know there is so much conflict around us. There's so much conflict in the world. Uh, Help us to work for peace. Help us to not hold grudges. Help us to not seek revenge. Uh, Help us to show love instead. Uh, Help us to be living sacrifices for you, uh, to do all that we can to uh, proclaim your good news and to, uh, to share your love with all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day, and I will all see you soon, or I will see you all soon. Take good care of yourselves.